Okay, fabulous. Okay, hello and welcome to the TT Whovians podcast with me, James. And today, finally, <laughs> we have the one, the only, wonderful, it's the Ben. Hello. But people love- on TikTok might know me as uh, Bones4918, but no <laughs> one has ever liked that into the like, They find me by accident. Yeah, I was like, what does this type say? I was <laughs> like... <laughs> What's the name? I just know him as Ben. Benny. Yeah. I mean, like, mo- I guarantee you more people know me from podcasts than actual TikTok. I know! Well, this is the thing. This is your, this, this is, you, you, you're finally have, you have a podcast to yourself. It's just, yeah. you and me. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I remember the first, the, the way I got roped in to the podcasts was we we'd originally organized because fun fact for all those listening or, or watching on you on youtube uh everyone who does tiktok doctor who oriented stuff talks to each other yeah Every- <laughs> so, so it's literally like a, a, a basically almost like the community a community page yeah. of a there is, there is just everyone talks to each other and, then, and someone had said oh let's do a a watch along on the 23rd of November uh, for An Unearthly Child. And then, then I said, oh yeah, I'd be interested in doing that. And then in the middle of the week, Abby get, sent me a message and said, do you want to do a podcast? Oh yeah, yeah, that, that sounds good. Why not? Why not? And, and the uh, day is history. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how many I've done. That's quite disappointing. Well, you've, you've been a main, like I said, you've been a main staple. You've been a main staple. It's always been, I think it's always been you, Abby and Lauren that have done yeah that. yeah we did uh, I think I missed one or two uh, I think may- maybe Lauren or Abby might have taken a week off as well just because because uh, life also exists oh yeah well speaking of TikTok how did you get onto the app itself so this is again going to orient around our our lovely friend Abby yeah but I'm more if you've seen me talk at all, you've probably seen me more on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, Doctor Who pages. And I was in an eighth Doctor fan group and I saw Abby doing lip syncs to Charlie audio. And I got in to Big Finish over lockdown. And, uh, you know, Nick Briggs will eventually give me my dog back if I buy more of it. But, uh, 
But I, I saw, I, I, I was like, oh, that, that's quite cool. Someone's cosplayed an, an audio character on TikTok. I might have to give this a go. And I, and I kept putting it off for months and months and months and months and months. And then I, I went to uni in September. I thought, maybe I should give this a go. Mm-hmm. Just see, I'll, I'll watch some stuff, see if it's worth making any content. Yeah. And as I did, I realized this might be the only place people will see it. Because working, you know, doing any form of entertainment work is incredibly difficult. (laughs) Like, you're incredibly unlikely to be noticed on any platform. But TikTok is probably the most volatile. It's it's very much kind of a very yin-yang. It's very kind of... uh, excuse the phrase very zigger zig are when it comes to yeah. sort of the guidelines and and, and stuff like that because what, what, what i find was you know i do i do want to you know show that i love doctor who online and i'd love to have a bit more of a presence in the community than i already did and i thought if i just did a few impressions put them up and see see how they do and you know within an hour i had 20 views which for anything i mean is still astounding because uh, I don't produce I don't produce a lot of content. Uh, one because I'm very busy, and two because I'm very lazy. There, there's two reasons. Yeah, but, but sometimes sometimes you don't necessarily have to be with TikTok. And I'm I'm like th- I'm like this as as well. Sometimes I'm kind of sort of in the middle. If I want to post something, okay, yeah. I'll that. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, I don't really want to post a lot on TikTok or anything like that. I think. I mean, obviously, your impressions of the of do- of the doctors, I will have to say, are yeah, very. I've, I think I've done the I've done the eighth doctor. I did, I did the third doctor for Galladay because that, that was one that I recorded some third doctor audio for someone's action figure adventure. Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd only done one line. I thought I'll, I'll throw that one up for Galladay, um, and I've done three masters now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I also did Davros and the Daleks because those ones uh, are, are a lot of fun. But I, I just find with with TikTok, it's a case of if you upload a lot, people are going to... It doesn't actually... Tip, tip for anyone trying to do TikTok. Um, spam with videos. If, if you want people to see your content, do a whole block of it and unleash it at what, in one go. Because... Yeah. You get one video through, and then people might be interested in seeing the rest of your account. Yeah. Oh, your picture's gone. Oh, sorry. Oh. Yep. <laughs> I've got. I, I've not got me looking at me. <laughs> oh no! But... This is Abby's photo. Ah uh, no! Right. Hold on. Two seconds. Oh, right. Ah. Uh, oh, bastard. There we go. Now. Don't worry. Don't worry. The the first podcast we ever did, Abby was in the middle of talking, and um. Her internet cut out. I literally, <laughs> and there was just no app, and we were all like, "Where did you?" Yeah, go? it was going. I because I because my Wi-Fi doesn't like me going on to no. Zoom. I don't know why. Um, maybe because it's like, oh god, he's on Zoom again. Oh good gracious! It's twenty twenty one. Are we still using Zoom? Apparently, apparently we are. Apparently, we still are. Yeah. Um, so obviously, you do um like doc like Doctor Who. Um, related content on TikTok. Yeah. What What is your like first memory of 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 seeing Doctor Who, or kind of sort of how did you enter so, the time? 
my my story with this is re- I find just since entering actually the the TikTok community, I find is actually quite different to a lot more people my age because mm. I, I am eighteen. I'll be nineteen uh, next week uh, as the time of recording. So happy birthday to me a day early when this goes out. I, I, I was doing uh, a Marilyn Monroe rendition of Happy Day Birthday to Mr. President. Oh, yeah. oh, of course. And uh, so a lot of people my age, their first memories are the 11th hour or a lot of Matt Smith. For me, it was the complete opposite because my dad grew up in the 70s. Um, mm-hmm. So my dad was a huge Doctor Who fan as a kid. He's not a huge fan now, it's, it, but it, it's one one very small thing that we have in common. <laughs> and I remember being about, I, I must have been two, and I only, I only sort of worked this out because I, I know when stuff was broadcast and that now. But I was about two years old, uh, on the cusp of turning three, and my dad, my mum and dad were watching this thing on TV in our living room, and I, I'd gone in because, you know, I was ready for bed, and I, and I just saw that this... I, I vividly remember The End of the World was my first episode of Doctor Who. Oh. <laughs> Which, for anyone else, show it to anyone else as their first episode, they will go, what is wrong with you? But as a kid, that was so captivating because there, there's a talking piece of skin. Yeah. It's insane. And there, there's these cool robot spiders and there's, he's blue. And I distinctly remember just look, turning to my dad being a complete like drooling three-year-old, like two, three-year-old at the time, just going, what's that? An alien. What's that? An alien. What's that? An alien. <laughs> Because it, it was completely foreign to me, and I, I was just hooked immediately. I just saw the, this, because I always say that the the big thing that we all love about Doctor Who is ambition. And the, the end oh. of the world is an ambitious story, especially for a second episode. Mm. Um, the, the ambition of saying, right, we've done a pretty solid pilot that was grounded in reality. Now let's spend an entire 45 minutes on a space station with no one else who looks human. Yeah. And but that, that captivated me. Yeah, I mean that's the beauty of Doctor Who. I think that's what what get what got me. I mean, you know, I think Doctor Who, I think Doctor Who is really an escape. Yeah, there's a lot of real world messages and there's yeah. a lot of stuff that definitely you can take on board. But really, it is an escape. It is to see how amazing this program. I mean, like. I can just yeah, like I said, I can remember just watching watching the ninth the ninth Doctor, and then watching the classic era and really fall in love with it and just yeah. and yeah, I, I I have no regrets, um, uh, no regrets going um, not not ugh, can't even speak, uh, no regrets of starting to to watch Doctor Who because yeah. it was like the in well it wasn't sort of the in thing because it was still quite geeky. <laughs> Yeah, it was, but I think pe- people tend to forget this because in the UK, doubt, you know, you can doubt this a lot, but in the UK, the Russell era was what did it. Like, the, it was in the Smith era that it started to die off in popularity in the UK. Mm. Um, whereas in, in America, that was when it exploded. Um, but the Russell era, everyone and their nan was watching it. I distinctly remember 2008, uh, the Stolen Earth cliffhanger. Was David Tennant going to regenerate? That was on BBC News on Thursday right. night. It was, and I, I think, yeah. I just was, remember that. It was, it, it had taken over the world, uh, or at least taken over the UK, which, you know, me being four or five years old, what was the world? And it just seemed, it was a cultural icon 
in mm. the early 2000s in a way it hasn't been since not necessarily no i not, think... not in the uk anyway no. I, I don't I think it's had the same presence no i think really i think maybe i mean we could speak about it all day but i think i think maybe one of the i think maybe the things that we i really would quite like just for it to look british or to look or to or to some degree you know because it looks very american I yeah I, I've, I've had a lot of I, I i've put a lot of thought into this because you know i was well i'm i'm that idiot who chose to study english and literature and that so i i look into how things look and how things uh are presented and what i find with the moffat era is it tries to adopt a lot of what was starting to take off at the time Mm -hmm. This idea of long-form storytelling over the course of a reasonably short series. Mm -hmm. And the budget was upped a bit during the Moffat era. But I don't necessarily think it worked for the UK audience. And it's, it's really, it, it doesn't look the same anymore mm -hmm. uh, either. The, the colour palette shifted from... The, the Russell era you'll find looks very orange. Mm, yeah. The Moffat era looks very blue. Yeah. Uh, very blue and green and then the Jodie era has this kind of yellowish tint to it. So we're just going through the colours of the rainbow. Yeah, so I mean, I mean eventually we'll get to purple. Yeah, we're gonna get to purple, we're gonna get to red, we're gonna get to green, I, you know, we're just gonna get to pink. Oh, I, I can't wait until the TARDIS is eventually just bright pink. I mean, happiness patrol, I mean, that was just- Happiness happy. patrol, it actually was bright pink. It was bright pink and uh, I-, I do love that story because it's... I adore the Happiness Patrol. It's it's another one like the end of the world where it's it's great if you're a Doctor Who fan. You'll have so much fun with it. Never show it to anyone who's not. Never show it to anyone. No, I would. No, I think I would wait until so. You, it's kind of sort of one of those things where it's like you've had like it's like you when you have like some new food or some new cuisines like yeah. like, like weird pink gloop so to speak, and you're like oh okay if it tastes like this you know whatever. Yeah. Um, what is your favourite Doctor? I have a few. Uh, they're all. I've actually arranged uh, some behind me. Uh, so my, my favourites are behind me. So we've got Colin, Sylvester, David and Paul are all up there. Um, and they're my four favourites. I think D David Tennant was my childhood Doctor. You know, for, for me, he was the Doctor. And it's only really in 2020 where I sort of realised, where I started to look at it more critically and think, well, I'm not sure I like that anymore. But I think it's such a safe era. Uh, it, it's such a such a watchable era. And it, it's it's got so much uh, in it that I can always just run back to and after a long day and just sit back. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll watch, you know, New Earth or, <laughs> or yeah. Tooth and Claw. Um, it, it's a very watchable era and... and the the other three, Colin, Sylvester, and Paul, I sort of found in 2020, ah. uh, because I. This is going to sound awful, but I took a lot of time away from Doctor Who. Uh, in ter in terms of it being a big presence in my life, I've always watched it when it's on. Yeah, but around sort of series nine, I'd taken a break, and. Then series 10 came on, series 10, 2017, Doctor Who was back. Capaldi was in his best series, in my opinion, you know, with I Phil, was, that North, Missy, Mondassi and Simon. That got me back a bit. And then Jodie Whittaker was announced. And 
I didn't leave because I was a not my doctor. I left because of not my doctors. I had the, they came out in full force and I was just sort of getting into social media at the time. And I just thought, I think I want to stay away from this for a bit. And I did as a, as a big part of my life, Doctor Who, you know, series 11 came out. I looked at it. I watched it when it was on. I moved on, uh, which I think was most people in the Doctor Who community's reaction to it anyway. Uh, I mean, I watched, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. If it's still on there, I'll wa- I, I will watch it. And it's yeah. kind of, you know, I mean, it's. I mean, when when it, I mean, I didn't. I'm. A, I was a little bit of a purist. I didn't like the fact that it moved to Sundays because, to me, I do- get that. It, it's such a. It's such an awful time slot. It is because, like, um, what? So, so as after Country File and Songs of Praise. Oh, it's Doctor. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's got to be Saturday night because at least, at least, like for me, I could be like, right, I've got Sunday to process. Process what yeah. is. I mean, it was so. I remember uh, being a kid on a Saturday night. You know, a, a lot can't do it anymore, sadly, due to coronavirus. But we used to go rock. My my cousins and, and my uncle and auntie live just around the corner. We, we'd all, you know, meet up maybe once a month on a Saturday night for a takeaway. And mm-hmm. the kids would go in and watch Doctor Who. And I, and I remember going to bed on a Saturday night, just going, oh, wow. And if, if it was a cliffhanger, what's going to happen next? And I'd wake up the next morning, get all my action figures. Some of them are originals. And. Yeah. Slap them together and see see what 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 else I could do with that with that premise. And that was because it was on on a Saturday. It was on, on on a Saturday. You have to go to school the next day. Oh, that would just no. That just would not work. I mean, to to be honest, I can remember the the cliffhanger that always gets me is obviously the army and Go- army of ghosts one because obviously Ooh. no no well there's hardly any internet. You didn't really know what you obviously you knew the side men were going to come back, but did you know about the Daleks? I literally I remember yeah. running. Well, I, I, remember, I remember as a kid that Dalek sec, a black Dalek. I was like, like you oh. have no idea how much to a four year old a black Dalek. It's just like regular Daleks, but it's black. And yeah. I, I immediately because I'd seen pictures of Davros and I went, I wonder if you know in the next episode they'll lift it off and it'll be Davros. And my dad went, that's ridiculous. Oh well, <laughs> I'm a child. Leave me alone. I've got an imagination. Do not stump my imagination. I, I, I just, I, I think with series 11, it just sort of passed me by. I have come, gone back to watch some episodes of it because, you know, it's not bad. I, I think it's a perf- it's a perfectly functional product. Stubagful on YouTube's done a whole lot of great criticism about it uh, as being a functional no, I, product. I really absolutely love watching him because he's kind of the, he's a bit cynical, but I can totally understand yeah. where from. I, I don't always agree with his opinion, but I see the point. And it's not like a, a lot of really, really ugly discourse that's gone on, uh, particularly in the last three, four years. But series 12, um, so I had quite a rough start to 2020 that I, I won't go into on here. Um, but fair fair to say I wasn't in the best place. And Doctor Who is that is that comforting hug and I just, because Spyfall is a Russell T Davies story. Uh, it's such a, yeah. And I remember watching it and just going, I feel just a warmness inside that I haven't felt with Doctor Who in a really long time. And I watched series 12 and I went, well, oh, from 55 wasn't terrible, but it just looks like a season 24 story to me. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm just kind of expecting Bonnie Langford to tune her scream to the, <laughs> to the end. Yeah, of- I, I, I'm just going to hit the next. <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, like, can you sing in the in the key of F, Bonnie? We need you to scream in the key of F so that it'll click with the sting at the end of the episode. I mean, well, speaking of Russell D. Davies, obviously he has just done It's a Sin and yeah. oh, it's brilliant. It's heartbreaking, everything like that. How would you feel? Because I really would like him to return to Doctor Who. I I'm not necessarily sure I'd like to see him come back as showrunner. I think I think that era I, th- I think that era is gone and past. Uh, I think it was perfect for the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why I don't have a problem with the Tenth Doctor and Rose relationship or or that sort of stuff because people forget that Doctor Who is still a television show that needs to remain on air. Yeah, and at the time that was what Doctor Who needed. You know, like it or not, that's what kept it on the air, was it being engaging for everyone, and that, that romance subplot was a part of that. So I'm not necessarily sure I'd like to uh, see him come back uh, as showrunner, but I'd definitely love to see him come back for an episode and see what see, see what else he can bring to the table. Because I'm sure he... Uh, it's behind me, actually. I can't quite grab it because there's a Dalek in the way. But uh, the Adventures in Lockdown book, I did a whole, uh, basically an ad for it on my, on my yeah. TikTok. I love it so much. Um, uh, but that that collects a lot of stuff that a load of Who writers have done over the past ye- you know year in lockdown. And there's a load of RTD stuff in there. Mm. There's like two, two or three RTD little short stories, uh, vignettes. One of which is like an unfinished Target novel chapter Ooh. called Doctor Who in the Time War. And it's what Russell envisioned the end of the Time War to be. So it starts off with like the doctor detonating the moment and he's just kissed this woman and you know he there there's nothing around him and he's falling and he falls into the TARDIS and he you know and, and he's got this lovely like target-esque cover of eight of the eighth doctor and Timothy Timothy Dalton's Rassilon and there's Daleks and it oh it's a and it's got like Paul McGann as TV movie Paul McGann. Oh, and it's and that that lovely piece of art's alongside it. It's a really great read just to see what Russell was maybe envisioning at the time. Mm. And there's also, um, there's also what what is titled Rose the Sequel, which is I, I kid you not, Russell T Davies has the nesting consciousness survive Rose and turn into Boris Johnson. Yeah, I was like, of course, of course, of course. <laughs> Russell, you you did aliens and politicians way back in two thousand and five, and I'm kind of here for it. Oh, oh, brilliant! I I, I think he's he's such a brilliant writer, and he does he does he's got a big finished script coming out very soon, which is being included in the Lost Stories range because he wrote it in the nineteen eighties, despite the fact he never submitted it. Um, but I'm I'm really looking forward to that. See what he would do with Colin and Mel. Like mm. Colin Baker and Bonnie Langford, I want I want to see what that looks like under Russell. Yeah, well, I, I think re- Russell was was a great character writer. Um, Definitely, his characters aren't always likable, but they're not supposed to be. No, and uh, that's, that's the point with Russell's characters. Yeah, with most with other showrunners, they're trying to make every single character likable. When it is a TV show, you've got to have characters which are not likable. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of unlikable people in general. Um, <laughs> you know, as characters, I think they work very well, due to the fact that I can be quite an unlikable person. Um, oh, say that. One, one, of, one of my favourite TV shows is Archer, because it is about a cast of, you know, 10, 11 people who are all their worst selves. 
and that there's you know the, the last season was all dedicated to that to them being them their best selves and just using you know archer as, as an excuse to be their worst selves and that, that's such a great premise and i love i love that i love it for that because it's got all these horrible horrible people who do horrible horrible things to each other but they are people mm. and the, it's it's not the fact that they're mad or they're or you know that they've they, they've gone round the twist it's the fact that they they're just horrible people mm. and they are still likable yeah and I, I think Russell did that very well because Rose gets a lot of flack now. Um, you know, pro- probably one of the reasons that Billy Piper's always reluctant to return to Doctor Who in any capacity unless David Tennant is involved because they're they're very good friends. Yeah. Um, but Rose was not well received in hindsight. Whereas at the time, you know, the Tenth Doctor and Rose were everywhere. I, they were everywhere. Like, every girl wanted to be her. Every guy wanted to be with her. Not me. I wanted to be her, to be honest, so I can, you know, be with her. Steve Tennant. Yeah. It's like like when you tell people, I used to to have a crush on Billy Piper. Really? Why? Well, you know, it was 2005. That was socially acceptable at the time. Exactly. Exactly. And then you watch Secret Secret Diary of the Cool Girls, like, that's not Rose. That's not Rose. No. No. (laughs) Um, well, speaking yeah. of companions, who is your favourite companion? Oh, I have so I have so many favourites, but I'm I'm gonna play the big finish card here and say I, 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 I'm I'm probably gonna end up listing a load of my favourites. But Evelyn Smythe, um, Evelyn can... came into my life at just the right time uh, when I absolutely needed a character like that. Because uh, again, 2020, not the best start for me. No. And Evelyn was just the character I needed. This no-nonsense older lady who adored chocolate cake and was a history lecturer because I also I study English classics and history. So that that you know she she was everything that you know I I needed at the time was someone reassuring. Mm. And she's got this lovely dynamic with Colin that I adore. It's kind of sort of what Colin's doctor needed, I find. Yeah. And I do find that with unfortunately i mean perry's a good a, a good character i find perry much more likable with five despite the fact that i hate almost every perry and five story that exists <laughs> i own all of them by the way yeah. all the big finish five and perry stories i own them all uh, but i cannot like i don't like any of them i just bought them in a bundle so <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like I listen. I, I mean, like with 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 work and when work's been really busy. I think, I mean, again, Doctor Who is a safe space. I literally just put yeah. on an audiobook, and thanks to Spotify, you can get you. You've got like big some yeah, uh, first, first fifty, and they're also on Apple Music as well. Um, which is because I have I have Apple Music through uh, through the, the joys of of having shared Apple accounts. Um, <laughs> but I I just think. You know, the, listening to Evelyn and Six. There's a story that's not on Spotify that is downright awful. It's called Peer Pressure. If you've heard it, you know it's pretty bad. But it has this amazing opening scene of Evelyn and Six in the TARDIS just having a jab at each other. Mm. Like, the, you know, Evelyn's going, why are you being so grumpy today? <laughs> right. We're going on holiday. Come on, we're going to Brighton. And it, it, it's that that sort of dynamic of they are just friends and they're they're very good friends and that i again it's just the character i needed 
it, it's the kind of character I needed right when I needed that sort of character. And that really, really just clicked with me in, in a way that I haven't really, you know, Charlie is a lovely companion. I adore Charlie. I think she's she's wonderful with it. Um, I really like Liv and Helen in the box set series uh, for it. I think, she, I think they're both great, but I think they work best as a duo and they, they should not be... Uh, again, for people who do watch my TikTok, the Ra the Doom Coalition Ravenous reviews are coming. The uh -huh. Ravenous one is a bloody slog because lives on her own for the entirety of it, and it's oh, it's just not great. Um, I also I really like uh, Romana too. I, I really really like Romana too. Yeah. Uh, who was another one I I found when I was younger, and I just went oh, so so she's smarter than the Doctor. That's kind of cool, actually. Yeah. And as a kid, she reminded me of River Song, uh, who's definitely an inspiration. Uh, oh, definitely. I think, I think with Romana too, as much as, yeah, Romana 1 definitely set the boundaries, to me, Romana 2 was always my favourite one because she was the one that, she had, again, she she was, she didn't, she didn't worry about who was intelligent, who was intelligent, and she was smarter than the Doctor, and she yeah. had more, more, more smarter wits and I think that's what a com well you know a companion yeah needs to be you Inquisitive. know they need, they need to kind of be out of the loop a lot of the time but <laughs> Roman got the they've got this great uh in this great dynamic where foreign and Romana really clearly like each other a lot they're very good friends and in real life during season 17 they got engaged and got married and then divorced and separated throughout season 18. Um, and they reunited in, during season 18 for a very brief period over their complete hatred for Matthew Waterhouse, which is one of the most like horribly depressing stories because Matthew Waterhouse, he just, he, you know, he's he's not trying very hard. He's not trying hard. I mean, you know. I just want him to be safe. Oh, oh no, Earthshock. <laughs> oh dear. Oh. But yeah, oh. Oh. I, I, I just think the, that sort of character dy dynamic of Thor and Romana, when they've got when they, when they're on point and when they're when they're really when they're both giving the role, I think they are both lovely characters uh, who just are so, so much fun. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think I think Lala Ward also, for people who haven't heard Gallifrey listen to Gallifrey. It's it's that big finish spin-off that nobody talks about unless it's the Time War box sets. Mm. Um but it is actually much better than than people give it credit. Um and Lala Ward just gives the performance of a lifetime in some of those, particularly series six, is just oh yeah. Gallifrey is Lala Ward just acting her heart out. And you know she it it's it always astounds me with the older big finish actress just well, they can. They still got it, you know, in their, in their eighties. You know, I well, I think you know, with, I think because of the experience and stuff like that. I think somehow, I think, acting. I, I mean, I don't. I, I personally don't know, but I think the acting world was completely different, and you had to really get your hands dirty back then. Whereas now, it's all about the personality. It's about. The, the the aesthetic and it's about yeah. you have to do this and you have to be this 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 and this whereas i think with with actors then it was you're gonna have to literally be 
an extra and work your way up and do every single role. Some roles that you don't even want to do, you're going to have to do it because yeah. it... You're going to have to do it to advance, to advance the career. Um, and that, 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 that's, thankfully, moved on where, where actors can now get picked out. You know, my, my, my cousin, uh, who is now 11, 12, I don't know, I don't care. Um, <laughs> that sounds awful. Um, but she, she, she would be now looking to get into acting and has had auditions. And it's just, you know, that, that's a lot of work, even now. Every actor puts a lot of work in. I think a lot of people were very surprised when I when I told them, "Oh yeah, I'm I'm doing like impressions on TikTok," and so like, oh, you, because I'm I'm not involved in performing arts at all. Um, it's not something, not necessarily that I wasn't necessarily interested in, but I just had other stuff on a lot of the time, and it, it just. And it, it's, you know, oh, why, why don't you do cosplay on TikTok? Well, I, I don't have the, the skill or the, or, or the, I've never liked putting on costumes myself. Uh, I've, I've always enjoyed, um, you know, doing voices and I've, I've always enjoyed that, but I, I was never the biggest fan of, of putting on, I still, I, you know, I, I've always hated Halloween. On the on the basis that I, I've always disliked I, costumes. Oh, yeah, no, I've not had this. No, no, fine, <laughs> but the interview's over. No, goodbye. No. And that was the first TT Hubians podcast where someone actually just walked out. Someone walked off. Just I, I, I just I, I I've never liked like costumes, so I've I've always but I've always enjoyed voice work, and I I always enjoy doing doing a good voice. You know, I, I, and people always ask me, you know, where where did you where did that start? Action figures. I, I was that kid who made sure that every single one of their action figures sounded like the character. You know, I used to be able to do a really good Billy Piper impression, then my balls dropped. <laughs> I mean, the thing is, uh, yeah. Well, oh, and that's what I'm uh, moving right along. What is your favorite monster or villain? I'm gonna cut the Daleks, Davros, and the Master out of this, because they're they're my obvious favourites, due to the fact that, look at my TikTok. Yeah. <laughs> and, ev and everything I've ever said in the podcast. And I'm going to go with um, a different monster uh, from the from the big three, sort of. And, and I'm just going to say the Crinoid. Um, Ooh, yeah! I, I really love... Well, this is like me with a lot of Doctors. As a kid, I never thought Seeds of Doom was particularly good. Um, I, I thought, oh, it, you know, it, it's narratively engaging. It's just, it's too long. Um, oh, long. It's so you know, long. I, I always say that Doctor Who's real enemies are not the Daleks, the Sidemen, or the Master. They are the Merka and Piercing. Um, you know, the, the Merka got the show cancelled and Piercing prevents new viewers from watching it. <laughs> and uh, so when I watched Seeds of Doom as a kid, I was like, oh, it's all right. You know, uh, but I always thought the monster was cool. I thought, wow, a plant that eats people. That's terrifying. I've always thought the crinoid. I thought the crinoids were very, yeah. I mean, compared to it, it it's very much Sea to Doom. Um, didn't has really and and the crinoids did inspire me to obviously write a certain something. Mm, yeah, obviously. Hmm. And I was thinking, shall I name it a crinoid? But I thought, no, no, just do it. But I can, but no, I think the crinoids. Yeah. Not, it, it's not a, a monster that speaks. It's not a typical, a lot. It's a you know, it's a very much a. It's the one, axon costume painted green. 
It is, but it, it literally is. And the action figure actually happened in reverse. I've got a crinoid action figure coming next week. That's why, why it's on the brain at the minute. Because uh, I, I got one on eBay. Um, and I, I just... I, I grew up in the... It comes down to the fact that I grew up in the Tenant era. And for people who weren't there or don't remember, the early 2000s were like the beginning of the, this, what I, I call the fetishization of the Tom Baker era. Yeah. Which is that it was gold and it was always gold and anything with Tom Baker's name on it was gold. And that has kind of died away as 80s fans have moved more into prominence yeah, uh, than they were 15 years ago. Uh. But what you get is, you know, as a kid, it was always, oh, you got to see Genesis of the Daleks or yeah. uh, Terror of the Zygons, The Seeds of Doom, Pyramids of Mars, and all of those really iconic monsters and villains. Sutek is still one of the best classic villains, and he's only had one appearance. Exactly. It's kind of a one a one of them, and you wish that they had. But at the you... same time, you don't want that tainted in any way. Yeah, uh, you be done justice. Because I, again, growing up in that era, Tom Baker stuff was everywhere. It dominated the original classic Doctor Who action figure line. Yeah. There were Zygons and Vok robots and Magnus Greel and Mr. Sin, which yep, is I... still possibly one of the most misguided toys in existence. Very much so. Like, Aldo R, who is in charge of character options action figures, I know he's a huge fourth Doctor fan, but who was it? Who was like out of the office that day and went, you know, we need more action figures of the talents of Wang Chiang, which isn't one I ever saw as a kid. And oh. when I saw it as probably 16, 15, 16, I didn't see tons of Wang Chiang until I was about that age, just sitting down and watching going, oh no. This, um, this has not aged well. It's, it's one of those ones, and obviously, thank goodness for the times that we live in, not the coronavirus times, but the times where it literally literally says, because on, on Brickbox, because yeah. I went to watch it, I think, last year. Cause, and it, and well, I, I remember the, the hullabaloo that kicked off in Classic Who from, like, these 40-, 50-year-old men going, oh, telling me to be a fan. It's, it's just telling you that it has a man in, like, makeup to make him look Chinese. Because we're in 2020 now, or well, 2021 now, and uh, that's not okay. It's not okay, you know. Yeah, it's. I. I just. I mean, obviously, they're they're still doing. Thank goodness, obviously, thank goodness for B and M because they will do. Uh, oh, I, I. That's one of the chase B and M Daleks up there, which I adore because they've started doing 60s Daleks in this beautiful new silver, mm. um, which I adore. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's another thing that got me back was that uh, I saw, oh, uh, classic Cybermen in B&M. Yeah. I never owned classic Cybermen as a kid. I only ever had the Cybus Men. So I yeah. saw the Silver Nemesis Cybermen, mine. They're, they're on sale for eight quid. They're mine. Classic Sontorans, never had those. It was that, that sort of, you know, I, I was having this conversation with my girlfriend the other day of, you know, you know what motivate, why, why aren't these figures on your list? Why, why is it just these ones? Because I still buy them the way I would have done if I was four or five, it would be, that's a cool monster. That's why I've got a crinoid coming. You know, that's why when, yeah. when, I, when I look at my thing, and I, I just I just think, oh, I want a Thendaline. Yeah. I've loved that as a kid. And I, I just think, you know, that, that's the way to enjoy Doctor Who, is 
think of that kid hiding behind the sofa with with a glass of orange juice uh, that's half been spilled on your t-shirt because uh, a Dalek screamed out of the, out of the screen. Uh, and that that's that's the Doctor Who experience in a nutshell is yeah. always bringing you back to that to that very those very precious moments when you first encountered this because I think everyone's relationship with Doctor Who is incredibly personal. Yeah, you know, you know, Big Finish got me through lockdown. I wouldn't have been able oh. to do it without Big Finish. Um, like it, just, it just you know, I, I would have gone mad. And I still listen. I, you know, I, I go. I now I go out for a walk every day simply to listen to Big Finish. It's, it's you know, it's my excuse. Yeah, um, but, but that, that's everyone's experience with it. Is it's so personal um, it and so linked to who you are as a as a person. And that that's why everyone has different eras they love. And diff, you know, the, there's a difference between the doctors I love on TV and the doctors I adore on audio. Yeah. You know, I, I I quite I slag off. A lot of eras. I'm quite well known for this in the podcast now. I slag off the Fifth Doctor era a lot. Slag? Oh my goodness! You literally re- rebuild sometimes. Oh my goodness! It's like we have to I, get. I, you know, but I, I think a lot of people misunderstand it as I hate those eras, um, which isn't true. I, I, I do. Uh, they're just not for me, and I get why other people like them. The Second Doctor era is the one where I'm probably in the biggest minority. Mm. Like the, the minor because I just don't it doesn't click with me i don't i don't click with watching nine bases under siege week after week after week <laughs> which is, it just doesn't doesn't do it for me whereas the third doctor era i weirdly despite the fact i rag on the third doctor a lot because i dislike him and his attitudes to other people his era is kind of gold it is very. I mean, it was a risk, but it was a definitely a risk that was worth it because it, it, it's kind of like consistently like quality storytelling. Like I, I rewatched Spearhead from Space last week just because I, I I wanted something on in the background. But this is really good. It is. Like, it's really really good, and no one ever talks about Spearhead from Space. But you know, people either talk about Terror of the Autons or they talk about Spearhead. It's one or the other. I I, I like both. But it, it, it's that sort of case of you often will take a break from Doctor Who and you'll, and you'll rag on an air because you have one memory of it. Then you, you know, that someone made a meme uh, recently of, you know, not watching David Tennant and complaining about it and then going back to watch David Tennant is, is actually rather good. <laughs> and it, it, that, that's, that's most people's experience with most eras of the show. I think the sixth Doctor era is actually bad. I think the majority of it is badly written and badly paced. Piercing is the big is the big enemy with season twenty two. Um, whereas with the fifth, second, and eleventh Doctor eras, they're just not for me. Like they just don't click with me, and it's it's not a case of you know oh I was growing out of the show. It was just the fact that what I was get I was actually becoming too young for it when the Moffat era came out. Mm. Because the Moffat era was designed to grow up with people who might have been 10 when Series 1 came out. And we're now sort of 15, 16. It was a way of, oh, we need to grow the show up a bit. Yeah. But kid, that really alienated me. And the, the, the Moffat era, as a result, just didn't click with me until I've, I've gotten older. And I, I enjoy bits of it now, um, where I didn't when I was younger. Fifth and second Doctor eras, they're just not for me. Like I, 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 I get why people love them. I really do. Um, more power to 
all of those people who adore those eras. The only one where I see people defend it constantly is the Sixth Doctor era, and I just think... The Sixth Doctor is objectively abusive mm. in season 22. And yeah. I, don't, I don't even mean strangling Perry. That's, that's one thing. It's the way he treats her really puts me off. Yeah. And that, that doesn't sit well. And, that, and again, pacing. Never have your characters spend the first 25 minutes of a story in the TARDIS. Time Lash is just so long. It's it's the same length as every other story in that season, and it's just so long. Yeah, I mean, they could have picked another best story, to be honest. Um, it's just a case of, I mean, you look at the other stories rejected for season 22, the first Sontarans and, and all these other ideas, and you just think, you went with Time Lash. Granted, the Borad looks great. It's one of the best makeup jobs in the show, like new series included. Oh, yeah, I mean, to be honest, it looks like me. Every time I wake up, I feel like the Borad. You've just got one flipper hand and you're, you're going off to be devoured by a Scarrison in, in a BBC book. Yeah, literally just like, yeah, I'm just pulling, pulling, yeah, yeah, there we yeah. go. Yeah, it's all done. No, and I, I, another, just to link it back, back to TikTok, I do, Doctor Who books are one of the most insane things you can ever read. Um, you know, my, my mom asked me a few weeks ago, what do you want for your birthday? And I said, more Doctor Who books, just because I, I need more absolute batshit insanity. Yeah. Um, because when you read Doctor Who books, they have one of two settings. One is, we're going to tell a cool original story. And the other is, if you've picked a BBC book from like 2000 to 2005, like just before the show came back, it's, we can do whatever we want with this license and no one will stop us. Like the, it's behind me and you can probably barely see it. Uh, the Ten Little Aliens is a first Doctor book. And wow! If you haven't read The Ten Little Aliens, it is, like, the only way you can describe it, it's an experience. It's great. It's a really good book. Um, I'd recommend getting the republished edition for the 11 Doctor set for the 50th. You know, they, they collected 11 books, one per Doctor yep. at the time. And, and they picked that one for the first Doctor! And Stephen Cole <laughs> writes a forward and he just goes, Yeah, they basically told me I could do whatever I wanted. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah, I can I can see that. You know, the, uh, this is the same era that birthed a novel in which the Doctor and the Master were in a rock band on Gallifrey in a book called Deadly Reunion. And you can't even dismiss it because guess who wrote it? Chris Terence, Terence Dix and Barry Letts wrote this book in which oh. the Doctor and the Master were in a rock band together. Oh. And not even like, not even like in an off time travel adventure, on Gallifrey. Like the Doctor played like a space guitar and the Master was on drums. I mean, what, if you've got the Rani on keyboard, you've got Omega... Uh, I, I, I immediately assumed the Rani was the lead singer and the Monk's, like, on bass, because, you know, he was their sad, greasy friend in school. Like, got a friend with Mac. It, it, it's just the that, that sort of thing where it's like, Doctor Who is such a weird, weird, um, you know, community, because... 
canon arguments, I, I made a TikTok about it because I had this really frustrating Facebook argument with someone. And if you ever get into an argument with someone about canon, don't. My advice, don't, don't poke the bear because it is not an argument worth fighting. You know, if someone tells you something's not canon, they're wrong. Um, but they're not worth arguing against because they they cannot have their minds changed. Because I, I always sort of saw the expanded media as canon. Because I, I never understand the locking off of canon, you know, the tunnel vision of only the TV show. It's like, that, what imagination do you have? As a kid, I couldn't, I, I got a free, you know, kid-friendly cut of the mutant fears free with Doctor Who Adventures in 2009. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I can remember getting getting something like that or getting Cuddlesome. Cuddlesome was one with Doctor Who magazine. I, I yeah. was, you know, I, I, I was, God knows, 2009? No idea. Uh, six. So they, they, they gave this, like, if you've ever heard the mutant fears, you know it's not a kid-friendly audio. Oh, it's not. It is not. So they, like, they just cut, like, an hour from it. It's like an hour shorter. It's That's better. Like it's it's a better cut than the than the original. But it's so bizarre because you're like you could have picked anything from the early main range to give to children. Like imagine giving them Doctor Who and the Pirates. Like something like that would have made sense. But no, you picked you you went on the on the marketing strategy of it needs to have Daleks because it's Dalek. And you couldn't pick the apocalypse element because. It has Daleks removing people's eyes. And you couldn't pick the genocide machine because you want them to buy Big Finish, not run away. Yeah. So you had to go with the mutant fears. And it's just a bizarre... Li- As a kid, I listened to it religiously because it was the only Big Finish I had. And then I was like, oh, I really want to get more of this. And like, went to my dad and said, can we buy some of this? Because I was I was a sad kid who enjoyed audiobooks. And looked at it, looked at the price and went, nope. Not yet. The thing is, it's not happening. You're gonna have to literally be a, a millionaire to, to literally buy yeah. everything. My, my advice to people who want to buy Big Finish is uh, bundles and seals. Uh, bundles in particular with box sets, uh, as that cuts with the box set series that for the Eighth Doctor that cuts a good sixty quid off the price, and sales crop up whenever they oh, yeah. can be bothered to cut the price of something. And that, but that that was the sort of thing. As, as a kid, I had this very very odd relationship with Big Finish, where it was I really want to listen to that, but I will never be able to afford it. Because uh, you know, you people, I'm very lucky now to live in a world where the main range is two ninety nine each, and uh, or the the first one hundred are, and even then they go on sale half price every other month. Yeah, um, to one point fifty each. Uh, which is how I ended up getting most of mine was 1.50 sales of just getting all of them. And, but as, as a kid, I had, they had this like clip track of Nick Briggs, like giving a, an explanation to children as to what Big Finish was at the start of this CD. And it's like, hello, I'm Nick Briggs. And you may know me as the voice of the Daleks and the Cybermen, but I'm also the executive producer of Big Finish Productions. And it plays like this clip track of loads of those quotes that you immediately recognize the second you hear those stories, but it's burned into my brain. It's the, you know, they had clips of the Eighth Doctor's interaction with the Cybermen in sort of Orion. Yeah. You know, the video goes, how entertaining, I love a happy ending. Or, you know, know, the Seventh Doctor, when they all fall down in 
uh, couple sirens of time. You know, oh, I'm fine, thanks. And and Colin going, oh, sooner or later the enemy will always want to meet me, and that is just burned into my brain because I listened to it religiously just for that clip track. Because that, that was, you know, with, with Canon Doctor Who, I always wanted to know more. Mm. I wanted more of it. I wanted to see more, listen to more. What I wanted to get this stuff, and I, I don't get the Canon tunnel vision of only TV stuff. And also people who say only BBC license and you're like, okay, say goodbye to the Daleks. Um, half of Sarah Jean, half of Cal, uh, half of Robots of Death, half of basically everything. And, and only, only half of it, because everything else is like partial rights. The only thing the BBC own is the Doctor and the TARDIS and the image of a police box. And the reason you, you know, like, uh, when people get into the rights to be with me, it's just like, yeah, congratulations, you don't own the Fenderling. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You don't, you don't own Robots of Death because Chris Beicher owns most of the rights. That's more than half of the rights to those are his. Mm. And as a result, he was able to produce his own fan audio series in the early two thousands, based around Caldor City, which I don't think anyone asked for, but apparently it's really good. Oh well, I it's. Yeah, but it's like you know, I decided to take the to take the plunge because it was quite. Well, I mean, it's quite cheap, but like obviously, I'm a huge Sarah Jane fan, so I listened to the Sarah Jane audios, and that actually really good. Some of them are I've really only good. I've only heard the pilot because it was free a few uh, a few months ago now when they were doing that. The, again, Big Finish. Uh, I got into Big Finish at like just the right time because I've been listening to the early main range on Apple Music, and then. Lockdown happened and Big Finish started these lockdown modes. Yep. And it meant I could buy Big Finish. Dirt cheap. Week to week. You know, I, I could get the first War Doctor box set for 15 quid and get, you know, all this stuff really, really, really dirt cheap. Um, in comparison to how it normally is. Yeah. Um, no. And, and, and the Sarah Jane stuff was one of those. Now, I, I just never... I, I, it's on my list. It's... it's I Tell you this right now. It is kind of. It's weird. There's a little. There's definitely some elements of Torchwood. I yeah, will have to, I, from the pilot. It's very adult. It's quite adult, but it's like not Torchwood adult. Yeah. We well, well, well. I would say tor Torchwood adult is a is a sixteen year old's idea of what adult means. Yeah, and it's grown like, up. Like, grown ups fight uh, sex clouds and and time machines that tell you about when sexual assaults happen. Yeah, it's, it, it's such a it, Torchwood. See, I I saw Torchwood for the first time in 2020 because you know I I wasn't allowed to watch that as a four year old. <laughs> I I couldn't watch. No, it's it's on at nine. You're not watching it. <laughs> yeah, I can never watching the first. Was allowed to watch the first two episodes, and they my think my parents were like, nope, you're not watching this. It was obviously the one with the Weevil and the Six Gas. Oh yeah, the the Sex Clyde. Yeah, um, I I, I can't imagine what I would have. Thought if I'd seen that as as a four year old, <laughs> I, w I wouldn't have understood it. I would have just looked at it and went, "What does he mean by came and went?" <laughs> I don't get this. <laughs> Can someone explain to me what any of this means? And literally, as 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 always, you would repeated, "Came and went, came and went, it came yeah. and went." went until until someone <laughs> until someone eventually told you what it meant, and you're just like, "Oh." Ew, gross. Girls. 
Um, so if you had a TARDIS, or if the Doctor had offered you to go anywhere through time and space, would you go to the, would you go into space, or would you go into the past? Or I'd evil? Prob probably go to the past, just because I, I, I study history and I, I'd really like to go to ancient Greece. Um, I, I've been writing an essay today, which will be handed in uh, on Tuesday, so it'll already be in by the time this this goes out. But about the Trojan War and and that, and I, I I'd like to see, I would like to see that attempted in Doctor Who uh, on TV mm. because Big Finish tried it in The Mask of Tragedy, which is a Seventh Doctor audio. I do not recommend unless you are a fan of like ancient history. Because if you do not know the ins and outs of ancient history, you're just going to go, all of these jokes are meaningless. Like, it's such a weird audio. But I, I'd like to see that done on TV, to be honest. I, yeah, I think it would be really good. And I think it might, would be really good for, like, something to do with, like, the Olympians or, or even just, like, ancient Greek culture in a sense yeah, I, I, I can't wait for someone to comment under this joke going well haven't you seen Underworld I have yeah but that, it's I, inspired. <laughs> it's inspired and let's not even bring up the green screen tomfoolery well, of it it's not even it's not even it predates green screen it's <laughs> oh the blue screen isn't it is it blue screen it's blue screen it looks hilarious it you just know, looks you would make uh, like home video yeah. It is so entertaining. If anyone has ever, like, questioned whether to watch Classic Who, what if you want to watch it on the basis of laughing at it, it can definitely be done. Like, there are laugh-at stories, such as Warriors of the Deep, which I saw as a kid and thought was really cool, and then now I watch it and just go, the murka is still soaked, like the paint, I can see it dripping off the costume. <laughs> to the point where this woman trying to karate chop it can't actually touch it. <laughs> I'm like, like, I thought it had oh, killed her before she karate chopped it, but she was supposed to like do the kick, and she the couldn't. Because <laughs> all I is just fatality, <laughs> KO. It's like Mortal Kombat. Uh, it's not. It's not even that because you know it, she spends the first like five minutes going, "Ah, huh? What? What are you doing?" <laughs> You've raised your arms slightly. I bet she was like, oh, I'm not going to do the whole screaming thing. I want to fight. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't even in the script. Someone just got really bored with the with Warriors of the Deep. She's like, I'm going to karate kick it. Really? We, we can't afford that. It's covered in wet paint. We might need another take. I won't actually karate kick it then. Just make sure the light effect comes in at the right time. Yeah. It's, it's, so... Classic is uh, a lot thing at times. Oh, love it. Um... I'm trying to. I'm trying to look at my look at my other questiones. Um, if there was any historical figure, here we go, that you would like to meet, who would it be? You can't ask me something. I study history. There's so many. Okay. Name. Okay. So, if you had to meet, if okay, if you had to meet any royal. Any royal pe people? I'd be very interested to meet Cleopatra. Because for anyone who doesn't study ancient history, 
Cleopatra is actually a lot more interesting than just this beautiful woman. Mm. Cleopatra was apparently like this very like witty, very entertaining person who knew like her political standing and was very good at manipulating things. And I just think she'd be a fantastic conversationalist. Yeah, <laughs> which is very entertaining to me. It would be a really good conversation. Like, def- definitely, you could have a good party with yeah. her. Oh, good, 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 good. Um, is there any other fandoms apart from Doctor Who? Is there any other fandoms that you enjoy on the TikTok sphere? Or I, I don't make any content. I, I keep meaning to make content. You can see it behind me. I've got, you know, this is shelf one of six uh, comics. Uh, I'm a huge huge comics fan and also star wars which is a fandom i generally steer away from now um mm-hmm. like dr who it's not the nicest of places um particularly you know now it's developed into this and star wars is cyclical so eventually we'll find something new to hate but um i, I was big in the star wars fandom for for a very long time but i think dr who I've come back to it at the right time in my life, and I don't think it's going anywhere for now because I've I've got big finish now to keep me going, whereas I yeah. didn't before. And I think if if Doctor Who, I mean, God forbid, I mean, you never know, it might do. Does unfortunately, it will, it will, it will eventually be cancelled. That that's an inevitability of any yeah. television show. But I guarantee you, it would it would come back. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I guarantee you that the. You know, like in the, in the nineties, it'll continue through novels and then audios, and they will be met with the same level of fandom uh, praise and criticism that they that they were in the nineties. Mm. You know, with, with the Daily Mail publishing naked pictures of Sylvester McCoy. <laughs> I mean, Peter- what, what, what's Time Worm Genesis about? Well, we've got this one scene where Ace gets sexually assaulted, and Seven tells her off for being uh, like uh, upset about it. Naked pictures of Sylvester McCoy. I mean, Peter Davison, yes. Um, Sylvester McCoy, mm, I mean, when he, in, in his youth. In yeah, his Colin youth, Baker. Colin oh, Baker. Absolutely. When that was starch, I could tell that, you that right. Someone asked Colin on Twitter about that photo. How, like, how much does he charge for like, si- uh, for like signings? And he said, I'll sign anything, but I charge double for that. I will. <laughs> I just thought. I- I don't mind paying for that because that is literally he's the, the, be- the best doctor in, ter- been- in, in terms of being like one of the loveliest people as an online presence is Colin Baker he oh, it, every interaction anyone has ever had with him is just golden like uh, he, one of his daughters was driving down the motorway and found an eight, for anyone who did again Doctor Who merchandising giant in the early 2000s they produced like these 18 inch tall Daleks yeah. His daughter found one with like missing parts on the side of the motorway <laughs> and said, Dad, here's here's where it is. So Colin Baker went to pick it up. Like she, she just told him as a joke and he went to pick it up and he, he went round all the like toy Facebook groups looking for replacement parts. And I'm just like, that's so wholesome. I like, know. For a, for a man who was so done with the show in 1987, who was, you know, Quite rightly, you know, sacked for no reason other than and then asked to they wanted something else, and then asked to do a regeneration story. 
you know, it, it's the, the fact that Colin is back doing Doctor Who and is always so passionate about it, you know, coming on and being the biggest defender of Jodie Whittaker, even speaking out against other doctors when Peter Davison said, oh, I'm, I'm worried about it being, you know, they're not being a role model for boys. Colin just turned around and went, that doesn't matter. You know, as, Col as Colin said, you know, I'm he's a, guy a bloody alien. A role, role models that I have, you know, it's mostly mostly role models for me. Yeah, I, I grew up in an era where the Sarah Jean Adventures was on, on I think was it on Tuesdays and Wednesdays at four? Yeah, it was on yeah Tuesdays and Wednesdays, or I I think it was I it Wednesdays it, and Thursdays at one point as well. It was it was I, always on twice a week because it was split into two parts. Yeah, because they, they didn't believe that a kids show could be 45 minutes long on CBBC. Well, then you got to look at, um, oh, like other, like really kind of other um, children programs like, um, well, saying that, um, I mean, this is obviously going a bit way, way back to, I mean, obviously I'm the granddaughter age of 25, um, but I can remember watching uh, the, um, the Demon Headmaster and they've redone and they've just done a, uh, a remake of it. And it's, but it's 45 minutes long. There's like, kids are watching like almost nearly an hour's worth of yeah. content. And I could just remember like, Tracy Beaker used to be like 15 minutes long. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, again, that, that's another show that I'll just stick on in the background because for anyone not from the UK, and you know, where I'm from, that that's debatable anyway. Um, but let's not delve into that. <laughs> we don't <laughs> want those comments. Um, but British children's programming is like really high quality for the most it part. Particularly from the BBC. Like they pour, so, like people complain about the license fee, but for what we get from it. Yeah. And the amount that's thrown in for children, for adults. Children's programming in particular is just always a standout of like pure quality. Just, uh, and there were always duds. Sarah Jane Adventures always had its dud episodes. But that sort of level of quality programming, I don't think is fine really anywhere else. It is, because I, I was rewatching Clever Dick Films, who, who has a fantastic Doctor Who document, documentary series, which everyone should watch it's absolutely it's comprehensive like the retrospective where he's been through uh, yeah i that oh i love that program i literally he's fantastic all on you oh he's he did diva tenant a few months ago and it you know the episode when i first started watching them he was up to paul mcgann and i thought oh it'll be fine by the time i finish it it'll be on the chris eggerson and because it's one one guy making the, these very dedicated, very well-produced documentaries. But he was talking about how, you know, Russell pioneered Doctor Who, not just on BBC One, but with Torchwood on BBC Three and, and Sarah Jane Adventures for BBC, or for CBBC. And it's that, I, I want to see Doctor Who do that again. I think, yeah. And I think I, that, yeah. I, I think it's fair to say that the, the show's current standing in in British culture is non-existent. Not I think it, in yeah. terms of 
of being a part of the cultural zeitgeist. It's not where it's nowhere near where it was in the Russell era, and I don't think it's even where it was when Capaldi's era started. Um, and it, over not, the yeah, culture, not- it it trundled down. Series eleven definitely garnered a bit more public attention, but. I don't think it's a case of demographic shifting and not being interested in sci-fi. That's not true. You know, look, look at other programs coming from America and, and the like. But it's the fact that I don't dislike Chibnall. I think he's, I think he's a very competent writer. I think he's mm-hmm. very... And I, but competent is the word I'd use to describe his writing. As Again, I have to refer back to Stubag Full, we made such a comprehensive criticism of it, which is, it's a functional product. Series 11 is an attempt to do something new without doing anything new. Uh. Series 12 is along the same lines, but also, it's a... It's just Russell. Yeah. Like, Series series twelve is just, and that's probably why I enjoyed it so much at the time. And now when I go back to it, I go, hmm, I wonder where it, I've seen that before. Yeah, I think there's some elements of, and I'm hoping that <sighs> I do think it was an improvement for the most part. Because whereas def- series seven, uh, like most people, I had the reaction of that was something that happened, and then I moved on. Um, and I think that that was most people's reaction of, oh, Doctor Who's back on. Oh well, it's over now. Let's move on with our lives. I think series twelve definitely garnered that attention, not just because of its finale, which was, and I stand by this, a mistake. That is the finale you do when you've completely lost touch of the fact that you need to have the general audience on side. And if I need a textbook, a textbook's worth of context to explain to someone what the Matrix even is. It's not watchable for a general audience. The thing is, what I what I think of that, if I was Chris Chibnall right now and I saw the backlash, here's the thing, the matrix can be tampered with. Yes. Me, I would be like, right, that was a huge red herring. That, I'm now going to make it a huge red herring. It, it needs to be a, 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 you know what I really want it to be? Simply because I, I listen to the EDA's series four. Uh, I hate Lucy Miller as a character, but I adore parts of her series. Um, I really want it just to be the meddling monk. Yeah. Can you imagine the meddling monk just, just went, Ugh. I really just want to, like, really mess with both the Doctor and the Master. Like, the Master finds this out in the Matrix. Because the Monk put it there. And the Monk has just been, mani- like, I-, I really love the Meddling Monk. Or something like, yeah. His original something introduction. Like, yeah. Because that's something you need to do, because I don't think... I, I don't think it works. Um, because if you entrench the Doctor in that level of mythology, and it is arguably, you know, Gallifrey has always been surrounded by a mythology, um, and it, it, the dark times, and the the great key of Rassilon, and the, the dish rag of Rassilon, um, that's the sort of way Doctor has always treated Gallifrey. To entrench doc- the Doctor in that really makes the show impenetrable. And it didn't help that the next episode along was Revolution of the Daleks, which... Which is the most, probably your, you hate that episode. Oh, it, that, that is that, your trick. 
yeah that 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 podcast where i just i detonated as a person I because I, i'd had a pretty shitty no. christmas overall as had most people in 2020 because like many people i'd made plans to see loved ones that i haven't i, I now haven't seen my girlfriend since last september um hopefully seeing her soon um and I was supposed to see her over Christmas, and I didn't. And I was not in the best mood already. I thought, right, Doctor Who will be the one thing that will pull me out of this absolute misery I'm actually in. And then it, it just made. And it, what what frustrated me a pot more than that was the fact that people were just letting things slide. Because I saw a lot of criticism where it was well, it wasn't perfect, but it's a it's a thirteenth Doctor episode. We can't expect that. What does that matter? It's Doctor I Who. Yeah, I judge felt it. Quality cool. Judge Russell's era, or Moffat's, or JNT. Oh, JNT. We would, wouldn't, if Russell had pumped that out, we wouldn't have stood for it. No, absolutely not. You and know, I'm, if that had been like the Moffat era, it wouldn't have been stood for. And it just really frustrated me that people had let all of this sort of, not necessarily, I, I understand why people enjoyed it. Uh, the one criticism that I definitely agreed with was that it was perfect switch your brain off TV. And it is until you think about any aspect of it and that's my issue with both the timeless children and revolution of the daleks and most of chimnall's less popular episodes yeah. it's a perfectly fine episode of switch your brain off tv until you think about it and you start thinking about any aspect you pull on one thread it all just comes apart and that really annoyed me was that the fact that people weren't pulling on those threads yeah, people were so willing, and I, I definitely put it down to 2020 not being the best year for anyone. People were beaten down. People probably weren't switching their critical brains on. Again, I study English. My critical brain is always on. It can't be turned off now. Mm. Um, so when I saw Revolution of the Daleks, I just thought, I really, I need to explain this. And the second I had that on, on the podcast, it was just done. Because it had frustrated me so much. Because I had uh, people who know me knew I was very excited to see this Daleks and Doctor Who again. I love the Daleks. I, I adore them. They they are somehow cute and terrifying. And I just sat down to watch this episode of Doctor Who, and I just thought, I deserve. We deserved better as a fandom. And I, I do say that comes from a place of entitlement. All Doctor Who fandom has this place of entitlement. But Chris Chibnall writing The Timeless Children comes from a place of entitlement. Uh, and that, that's, that entitlement is a big problem in Doctor Who writing and the fandom at the minute. I, I mean, you know, the thing is, and obviously, you know, writing Doctor Who is very difficult, trust yeah. me. Yeah, it, no, I've, I, I write my my. Own. <laughs> yeah, I think Doctor Who's the one thing everyone's written a bit of fan fiction for. Everyone's written, but well, the thing is, I think what's great about Doctor Who is that it's a great place to for creative writing, because yeah. yet you've already got a character that is already something else, but you can create your own companion. You can, you know, for example, you could put the Ice Warriors. I don't know on a. In, in on America. a beach, on a on a beach, smoking cigars with with the thirteenth Doctor and K nine. Yeah, you could do that. The, the 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 possibilities are endless. Yeah, I think 
to me, Doctor Who has always been an escape and storytelling. Yeah. And I want, I don't want there to really be, I want there to be a series where it's just, just pure adventures. Mm. Because that's I've, what Doctor Who should. I, I, I've yeah. had this big problem with people um, in the fan, well, actually people who aren't in the fandom. Because uh, I, I watch Doctor Who with my family, I watch it with my girlfriend. None of them are big Doctor Who fans, you know. <laughs> my, my girlfriend suffers through Doctor Who when she absolutely has to. Um, and I have to, like, I have to provide an encyclopedia for the most basic of episodes. Weirdly, the episode she enjoyed the most was Survival, so that says a lot. She understood Survival I... before I did. Love it. And as I, and, but if I showed her the time as children, and I haven't, because I know I'd require, that's the Hooniverse there, a brief history of Time Lords is there, and the, the TARDIS manual's there as well, I'd require all of that to even scratch the surface of what's going on why is the matrix important who the ma well the master was in previous series and the like but i think series 12 is just completely tone deaf it because uh, the more i watched it the more i realized oh you made this for doctor who fans and i know people don't like doctor who being mainstream it, uh, I watch a lot of Classic Who fans reviewing New Who. It's a, yep. ver it's a very interesting thing to do if you grew up with New Who and you see Classic Who fans who just didn't click with the stuff you adore. Uh, I always recommend uh, looking at both sides of the aisle when you're doing reviews. Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. And I, I just, I, I remember them saying, you know, is Doctor Who too mainstream? It's never too mainstream. Uh, and it needs to be mainstream to stay afloat. And I don't think series 12 is mainstream enough. It can't, it's impenetrable, It is my criticism of it. The thing is, but the thing is with television, everyone is expecting, and this is what, I mean, going a little bit off topic, and this is why I can't necessarily watch EastEnders, because immediately they have seen yeah. all these all these one-off police dramas, all these one-off gangster programs, all the dark, gritty and everything like that, where Soap, when it began, yeah, there was a lot of dark elements to it, and some quite harsh storylines, but there it was, was all entertainment. It was like there was there was comedy, there was entertainment, there was, and that's why I love like watching classic Corey because because it, it's yeah. I I think another thing that's really hurt Doctor Who is how TV, in particular British TV, has changed in terms of how we watch it. Prestige mm. format television is no longer family viewing. Yeah. Um, or at least not a younger family viewing. It's for, you know, it's for nine o'clock. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm recording three podcasts this weekend, one of which is requiring me to not watch Line of Duty on broadcast. <laughs> and that, uh, but that, that's the sort of thing that we, we have now is that any TV in the UK needs to be on nine o'clock. It needs to be on nine o'clock on a weekday. Uh, Doctor Who, the only slot it has to capture that family audience is a Saturday night. No one wants to spend time with their family on a Sunday. They no. want to recover from spending time with their family on the Saturday. Exactly. That, and, and Doctor Who, uh, again, watch the Clever Dick's, Clever Dick films retrospective about how difficult it was to get the show off the ground in 2005 because no one believed that you could get a family to watch a drama or like together 
on in 2005. And mm. I think it, I, I don't think it's out of the realms of possibility now. I think it's entirely possible for you to get a family in one room. Because I, I, you know, I see it with, with my family once a week for Line of Duty. <laughs> it's yeah. the only thing we watch together. But I think if you have that level of sort of prestige format, trying to target that audience of everyone, getting people hooked. I, I've seen people uh, discuss it on whether it should be maybe, maybe the episode kind should be cut and each episode should link into the next, bring back the cliffhanger to Doctor Who. But I think right now, Chibnall's era is just a long list of what Chris Chibnall wanted to see when he was 15. Uh, you know, the, the title sequence is the Hartnell one done through CGI. Yeah. I love it. But everyone I've spoken to who's not a Doctor Who fan goes, oh, God, it's the weird one, isn't it? Because it does, it does ramp up the excitement for it. But I think it needs now. It doesn't. To me, I mean, Doctor Who themes, I mean, the, my top three are... Um, obviously, David Te- David Tennant's one with the electric with the electric yeah, guitar. The, with the bass guitar. Oh, is it electric or bass guitar? I can't remember. I don't. I don't know. Um, I love the, I love the Seven Doctor one. I always that always gets me pumped up. The, the one that sounds like an Atari game being played backwards. <laughs> yeah, but I love it. I just, I'm, I'm immediately. I, 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 yeah, I, I enjoy it. It's it's not a favorite, but I do like it. But then even still, like the original one, the original one, there is a, you have to, Doctor Who is a scary, sh- and it, it yeah. is, even still, it is a scary programme. And the theme has to remain it. And that's why I was kind of a bit, especially with like, um, like uh, Matt's and Peter's theme, I was kind of like, this is just a mm. bit too, La, 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 la. Yeah, I, I, I think it should always get you ready for it. Should get the adrenaline going. It, it's yeah. Because uh, I, again, on TikTok, I've been reviewing all of the Eighth Doctor adventures from Blood of the Daleks, and I will be doing up until I'm on Ravenous Three now. I started it today, up until Stranded Two, which is the latest one. I might do Time War as well. Don't, don't. I, I've got assignments at the minute. Uh, <laughs> next two weeks, don't expect anything. Um, <laughs> But when they did the EDAs, they did series one, which is the most dip our toes in uh, any, like this idea of doing Doctor Who on audio on the radio, because the Lucy Miller stuff was on the radio. And for series two, they changed the theme to like this shitty version of the Tom Baker theme. And I remember going, right, skip the theme, skip the theme. And that, uh, you know, I, I'm usually listening to, to Big Finish. I never skip the theme. Uh, I love theme songs uh, for any television show, let alone something as amazing as Doctor Who. But I just think, oh, it's, it's no good. And then I remember listening to Dark Eyes One. And they bring the David Arnold theme back. And for, the David Arnold theme was done for Big Finish. It was done for the Charlie stuff. Um, and then it was slightly tweaked for Invaders from Mars. Uh, there is a difference in the two things. Um, they sound exactly the same, but they're slightly different. Uh, and they brought the theme back, and I remember just thinking, I can never skip this. I'll never be able to skip this amazing thing because my blood's pumping, the excitement's going. I'm ready to go on any adventure possible yeah. because that's what Doctor Who theme should do. And I just don't think Jodie's current theme or title sequence 
really does that. Also, pre-title pre uh, scenes need to come back. If you're not going to do cliffhangers at the end of the episodes, and we're going to have a really limited number of two-parters, you need to bring the pre-title sequence back, because that was the new series' way of echoing the cliffhanger. You know, it was usually some monster going, Bleh! And that, that's yeah. the classic Doctor Who cliffhanger. Or and if someone's... Yeah, or, or, you know, if it's a really lazy Doctor Who uh, cliffhanger, as, uh, as many people have pointed out, it's just a man with a gun. Yeah. Um, I think that needs to come back because th there's no adrenaline for me nice. with watching Jodie's theme. And I think that's, again, Doctor Who needs to evolve. It. I know classic Who fans constantly, oh, it needs to go back to being serialised. Never going to work. Never going to work in a modern TV environment. Oh, it, you know, we need to do this. We need to, we need to do that. If it's anything to do with the classic series, it's probably not going to work. If it's got something to do with the Moffat or Russell eras, I'm more willing to listen to bringing aspects of those back because those were written for a similar TV environment. Yeah. I think regarding that, I think take the the lore and the characters from classic, but apply it how it was in the modern era. I think yeah. that right, that's the best thing to do. And I, I don't even think that you necessarily have to do, um, you know, have to ignore uh, the the deeper and more, you know, epic pieces of Doctor Who lore. Because look at the Russell again, the Russell era invented this idea of a time war, which as a kid and as an adult captures my imagination all the time. But if you, the Russell era made a metaphor, the time war is a metaphor for classic Who. The time lords and the time war are a metaphor for classic Who and Russell's era. And they, they use that to introduce lore such, such as Rassilon, who is mentioned by name, which meant nothing to me as a kid. He was just, he's the chief time lord. Um, but Russell was well aware that the classic show tore itself apart. And that, that's what the Time War is. It is the classic show, it, it, it's the Time Lords ripping themselves apart by getting too big for their boots. And I think if we're not careful now, because TV moves much faster than it did in the 60s, 70s, you know, 60s and 70s, it was consistently good. I think Doctor Who's taken that downturn much faster with the new series, and I think we're in a bit of a lull. I don't think it's the end. I, I think we can peter on for another Doctor at least. But I do think that Chris Chibnall, who's currently in charge, needs to remember the show can be cancelled again. And risks are good, but only if they're calculated risks. There was, there was no way The Timeless Children was ever going to appeal to a, a regular audience. You know, I, I, I can never see someone going around, oh yeah, I completely understand what The Matrix is now. And yeah. I definitely understand what he means by the Panopticon. Despite the fact that it looks, it looks nothing like the Panopticon from The Deadly Assassin. Yeah. Or, or The Invasion of Time. And it, I just think Doctor Who sometimes needs to be told, you're not the big, you're not, you know, the biggest show in, on TV anymore. Because that's why series 10 worked. Because series 8 and 9 were Moffat thinking because he had a new Doctor, he could do whatever he liked. 
and people would be engaged because it's a new doctor and then they took a year off realized that's not true and series 10 came back and series 10 didn't win back the it didn't really win back the general audience but it definitely got the fans back and that's how it starts you need to get fans on board and at the minute they're not but you also need to try and aim for that that casual audience and that, that's why it, big finish don't have that obligation you know i i don't see doctor who trying to do uh, to do what big finish do on tv yeah you know they're, they're for different audiences and they've got different goals in mind the tv show just needs to remember sometimes aim for the general audience someone who can understand it and explain it around a water cooler on the monday morning very true and on that note yeah we, we've just talked for god knows how long at this stage <laughs> and it's hour and a half so abby oh. good luck um, I apologise for everything. The editing for this will be hell. <laughs> oh, I'm sure she'll love it. Well, speaking of Abby, she will be our next person to uh, in, uh, the lovely Lauren Lee um, Tea Time Lady Cosplay. We'll be interviewing her so she gets to uh, have a taste of her own medicine, shall we say? Uh, feel free to stick around for the rest of the weekend we'll, where I will still be on TTUV in the podcasts. As yes got the master uh, we're recording that tomorrow and um we've got a big finish one as well we're recording on sunday night we're talking about storm warning that'll be out in the next few days who knows well. <laughs> I, I i again cannot attest how much to the to the wonderful abbey of trackham who yeah. organizes so much of this she does she and has amazing does a, does a fantastic job of keeping everything running keeping in <laughs> and on that, on that we yeah. say good night we say au revoir or if you're watching okay. this at two in the morning go to bed go to, no no stay up the whole night have an all-night bender that's what we should say. <laughs> right thank you so much and bye-bye oh. right let's how oh for fuck's sake how do i Bye. stop recording <laughs> how do i stop recording you're